Um, as my PowerPoint warms up here, let's give a brief introduction. Uh, my name is Matt McGrain. Uh, my wife and my family and I have been doing a kind of an annual mission trip for the last 12 years. My wife researched and uh, found a place for us to go uh, through World Vision in West Virginia. So we went there for about 12 years, and uh, we diverted a little bit this last year. And uh, as you all know that have been on mission trips, uh, God kind of makes uh, immediate relationships between you and the people that you're doing the work or helping the kids or whatever you're doing on your mission trip through. It, it, you become almost like your best friend. And I think it's uh, the spirit between all of us just kind of joining together, the Holy Spirit, and he just makes us real good friends right, uh, right away. So we develop these kind of friendships with uh, people from across the country. We uh, have friends from California, Colorado, New Jersey, and uh, a bunch of other different states, but uh, we all decided we were going to take a trip somewhere else, and we decided to go to Hope, um, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, as you see up there, our, our, our Bible verse for the week was 1 Thessalonians 1.3, work produced by faith, labor prompted by love and endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, this is beauty that we got the chance to witness while we were traveling uh, around British Columbia, just the most amazing place, moss-covered trees, snow-capped mountains, uh, rivers, and it just uh, testifies to God's wonders, and you know, he, he says in the Bible that you can't look at what I've made and not believe in me, it, just, it was so apparent. Uh, the place that we ended up going, and I, I probably made my PowerPoint presentation too fast for how fast I'm talking, but... Um, we ended up going to a place called Camp Hope, which is a Seventh-day Adventist uh, camp that one of the people that we made friends with had uh, a connection with. And uh, we, we started off with uh, doing a work project. We worked on replacing doors. Uh, we, we made boxes, kind of storage boxes that would go underneath the mattress in these little cabins. Um, we, we, uh, we did all kinds of work there. We did concrete work. And uh, then we reached out to the uh, local... Indian tribe, and we brought them in for a picnic, and we did a bunch of different activities with uh, these these kids and adults both. Uh, we, we ate food, we did face painting, we had you know sack race games, soccer games, uh, balloon tosses, and just all kinds of stuff with them. Uh, with them, and uh, that was in an effort to reach out and kind of form a relationship. The Seventh Day Adventist church does not have a great relationship yet with the uh, Indian tribes out there yet, but they want to have that kind of relationship. So by doing this, we were trying to uh, to form that relationship in, uh, in hopes that eventually they can share Jesus Christ and kind of bring them alongside um, with, uh, with the mission. So uh, we really didn't have a huge chance to share, but I think we exhibited our love and, uh, and showed them our love through uh, this picnic and these games and stuff and I think it's uh, it's going to be an evolving process uh, out there and uh, I think it's a good thing and it's well on its way so thank you hello I'm Charlie McKinney I've been on a lot of mission trips and I just want to Pick up on uh, one of the things that Matt said, you know, is the relationships that you form on these trips. You know, you meet people and you have, like, lifelong friends. And I was recently on a trip to um, La 
Lafayette, Louisiana, and I met up with some friends of mine from Georgia. And it's always great, you know, to team up work with 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 him. And um, we went around and we uh, we built a handicap ramp, and we um, we worked on an old lady's house, finishing up trim and stuff. And um, you know, we done um, worked on another guy's house, putting trim down and stuff. But um, I want to talk more about the relationships with the people other than the work we've done. I went to this one guy's house to build a handicap ramp. His name was Roy. That's not how they say Roy in Louisiana, but that's the way I say it. <laughs> but anyway, he was telling us, you know, that he has, him and his wife, they had decided to, to separate, he said, and he had packed all his clothes up, and he, the next day he was going to leave. He had held his clothes piled up at the doorway, him and his wife, that was it. And the flood came that night, and he couldn't get his clothes out. And they just, you know, they had to work together, you know. He said, and in and, and, and working together, he said that um, the Lord opened each other's hearts. You know, both of them had closed their hearts to each other, you know. And um, he said, you know, he fell in love with his wife all over. She fell in love with him all over, you know. And he was telling us, you know, that, you know, the flood was one of the best things that ever happened to him, you know. And we were able to share the gospel with him, too. And, um, and we built a handicap ramp for him. And we met another lady. This is uh, this lady. Um, she was in. I think her name was Judy. She was about 75 years old. She was in the hospital having surgery for cancer when the flood came. She said, "Well, that that was a blessing because she wasn't there, you know." And we were able to go. And she also told me she said the flood, the the flood was um, really. She said, "Really, it's a blessing." And I said, "Well, how is that?" She said, "Well, if it wasn't for the flood, all you people wouldn't be here." You know, and this is one, you know, we had a, we had some families with a bunch of little kids and all, I don't know, but little kids and old people, they just seemed to, you know, bond all the time, you know, and it, that was great. But uh, I really want to talk about this one, one guy, me and Big John went to his house, his name was um, Ricky, and he was a guard, he was a, a guard at a prison, and and we, we went in there, we were just doing a little bit of trim, a little finishing work, but Somebody else had come and done his floors and stuff. But we were, um, while I was there, I could tell, you know, something was troubling Ricky, you know. We talked to him a little bit, but he was sitting there. And and one of the things I do when I visit people, I just look around and see if I could find something, you know, that I can relate to. You know, Ricky was watching wrestling on TV, you know. I can relate to wrestling, so I got to talking to Ricky, you know. And we started up a conversation, you know, and we got around, you know, we got to talking about the Lord, you know. I don't know how we went from wrestling to the Lord, but we got there. And Ricky was telling me, you know, he was a guard in a prison. And not long ago, you know, he got, you know, attacked in prison. He got beat up. He said, but that happens, you know, in, you know, being a guard. But one of his assignments was to guard the prisoners on Wednesday night when a pastor came in and done Bible study. You know, he was the guard in there. And he said, you know, he's standing in the back of the room, but, you know, while the pastors, you know, while he's doing the Bible study with the prisoners, you know, Ricky's also listening, you know. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't know the Lord, but he's listening. He said, you know, and he said, something happened to me, something. I got this feeling inside, you know, and I thought, well, I know what that is. You know, that's the Holy Spirit staring, you know. He said, you know, I just needed, I wanted somebody to talk to. He said, you know, but you know, I couldn't interrupt the pastor in the middle of the Bible study. I don't go to church. You know, so my wife's not a you know Christian. You know, I don't. My circle of friends aren't. I don't know anybody to talk to. I said, well, 
Me and John are here. And I don't know, Big John, he's just a great guy. He's a big guy. He's just got a soft, soft heart, you know. And him and Ricky hit it off real good. You know, they got to talking. And, you know, I mean, it was able, you know, Ricky and John and myself, we were able to talk, you know, talk about the Lord, you know. And, and um, Ricky just opened his heart up, you know, about, you know, just, you know, about the Lord and about, you know, how, how you know, he hadn't, he wanted to change the way he was living, you know, and just wanted to know what was going to happen, you know, something, something were to happen tonight, he wanted to know where he'd spend eternity, you know, and I think, you know, it was great, you know, we were able to talk to Ricky and get him, you know, get him focused, you know, and, um, you know, that's just the beauty of these trips, you know, I mean, going down and working on houses and helping people, that's great, you know, that's great, but, but I think the main purpose of us going, you know, is just to, to share the Lord, you know, and just, you know, let the people know why we came down here, you know. We can work on houses anywhere, you know, but just to talk about the Lord, and that was, and just renew old friendships. It's just great. Thank you all. Um, good morning. Now, my name's Jeff. And my focus is a little bit different. Um, I think it's obvious to see the passion that each of these guys have and, and that we all seem to get for these ministries. Um, but I guess I'd like to kind of focus on what happens to you when you start to participate in these types of ministries. Um, I can think of three significant times in my life when... When I look back and I say, man, God was really in that part of my life. Um, I don't, I, some people, you know, God speaks to them directly, or so it appears. To me, it's more like Elijah and that still, small voice. I don't even understand it at times, and I don't even half the time realize it's going on until I look back and I say, oh, now I, now I understand why that was happening. Um, the first time was early in our lives. My wife and I had an opportunity to pursue something, and I was gung-ho, and she said, I'm not so sure. And one of the few times in my life I used some wisdom, and I listened to my wife, and we didn't pursue that. And so that was kind of a, no, don't pursue that. And that was in a, a missionary-type setting as well. Um, the second time was to pursue a business opportunity. And I can tell you that story. That was... We cashed in all our chips, so to speak, and in a lot of ways, from the world's view, it was the stupidest thing to ever do, and yet in God's plan, it was the best thing we could have done. And the third one, quite frankly, dawned on me as I was sitting in that chair um, waiting to come up here to speak. Um, and that is, uh, I don't know how long ago it's been now, time flies, three, four years ago, um, I met Chris Childs who's going to speak shortly, and I was uh, running my business at the time, and I was getting to the point where I did have a little bit of extra time, and so I started to work with Resurrection Disaster Relief, which is a ministry that works generally locally for folks in need, and I started working with Chris and the ministry one day a week, and then I started working two days a week, and then I started working three days a week. Um, and currently, 
as time went on, Chris was called to the ministry that he's involved in now, and my involvement with Charlie has pretty much moved to five days a week. I'm in the process of selling my business, and I feel like this is what God's called me to do. I never expected this. I never thought this is where I would end up, but it's where my heart is. It's where my passion is, and uh, and that's where I think God's called my wife and I at this point. So your opportunities that are presented to you to perhaps go on a short-term missions trip or to be involved, to come help us out when we're doing a project, you just don't know how God's going to use that in your life. And in mine, it's a pretty significant way. So thank you very much. Morning. It is good to be here. Uh, thank you. I feel like I'm in my living room when I'm in this sanctuary. Um, our story started here. Our journey started here. My wife started attending this church in 2003 when you were at uh, the school. Uh, it took me a little bit longer to walk into the doors here. Um, I'm not going to tell you my whole story, but I was uh, an alcoholic and uh, addicted to drugs, and my life was falling apart, and my wife came to this church, and that changed our lives. There are a lot of people in this room that if it weren't for you, the Keens, uh, the Stewarts, a lot of time, I'm going to miss some, Charlie, uh, we wouldn't be where we are today. And it was tough leaving here, but God had a plan. Uh, we handed out these. This is who we are. For folks that don't know us, please put this on your refrigerator or set it somewhere and pray for us. We're seeing God work in amazing ways, and the devil doesn't really like it, and he comes at us with everything you could imagine, but God is in control, and he hears our prayers. He does. So I'm the manager of the rapid response team of Eight Days of Hope. Um, what the rapid response team does is if a disaster happens anywhere in the country, then we try to get there within uh, three days. When I leave here, I'm going straight to Mannington, West Virginia. There was a flood on Friday. We had to wait for the water to recede, but I'll be there for three weeks. Uh, we are full-time missionaries, my family, uh, three kids, and Nikki, we travel all together. Um, it's kind of a crazy life, but we love it most of the time. <laughs> uh, but what I really want to do today is just share with you some of the miracles that we have seen. God is still in the miracle business. A lot of times we'll read the Bible and we, and we think, wow, that's awesome that they got to see that. But he's still doing it today. And I get to see it. And uh, I don't know why he lets me see it, but he does. Like I said, we have deep roots here in central Virginia. And it was tough for me to leave this place and to move. We live in Mississippi now, North Mississippi, near Tupelo. And I struggled with it uh, the whole time that we moved until this point right here. This is uh, November 2014. 
a snowstorm hit Buffalo, New York, and they had uh, eight feet of snow. Roofs were collapsing on uh, people. Even up there, homes aren't designed to have eight feet of snow on top of them. Uh, the Lord sent us up there, we, and we shoveled snow, and we shoveled snow, and we shoveled snow, and then we shoveled some more snow. Uh, we got in touch with the local radio stations, and they would say, if you're trapped in your home and you need help, call this number. And they would call us, and we would go. We'd climb up on the roof. We'd shovel the snow off, shovel a pathway to the door so we could get them out, and then we would take them to the grocery store, take them to a hotel, whatever we could do to help them. And it was awesome. I was loving it. But it was Thanksgiving uh, that day right there. Thanksgiving, and I wanted to get home to see Nikki and the kids. At this time, she was still working. They weren't on the road with me. I'd been there for a while, and I just wanted to get home. It's Thanksgiving. Everybody wants to have Thanksgiving with their family. I had the skid steer loaded on the truck, and I was leaving. Finished the last job that we had, uh, that we had, and we're pulling out. And I'm driving down that road right there, and the, and I see this man. He's got on a, a Vietnam veteran's hat. I saw him in the driveway, and he was trying to shovel, and I could tell he was struggling to do it. And the Lord said, stop. But I kept going. I want to see my family. I drove about 20 more feet, and the Lord said, stop. So I stopped, and I backed up. And when I went to speak with him to see how we could help him, I realized that he couldn't speak. He was wounded in Vietnam, and uh, I later found out from his wife he was shot 14 times and twice in the face. His mouth was sewn completely shut, and just one corner was open where his wife was beating. Both his hands were deformed. And his wife had run, they had run completely out of food, and he was just trying to shovel the driveway so his wife could get to the grocery store. I don't know about y'all, but as far as being a man and a husband, if my wife wants something, I'll do anything I can to make it possible. And I couldn't imagine how he felt out there realizing that he couldn't do it. So all of us got out of the trucks, we got the bobcat off the trailer, and we started working. We got all the snow off of his roof, we shoveled his driveway, we shoveled all his sidewalks. Like I said, up to this point, I'd really question, why are you sending me, God, why did you send me away from my home? But we circled up to pray right there, and when that man looked at me, he never said a word to me, but when he looked at me, I knew I was exactly where the Lord wanted me to be. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you're right where the Lord wants you to be, there's nothing like it. He was using me to impact this man. I shared with him that we couldn't do what we did if he didn't do what he did. We circled up and prayed and hugged him. And I still made it home for Thanksgiving. It was a little late, but I made it. 
I got so many stories from the road, it's amazing. Um, I wish I could talk for hours, but y'all will get bored. Um, and I got to get to West Virginia. <laughs> but this, uh, this particular story still gives me goosebumps. There's an ice storm in uh, Oklahoma. A lot of folks have a false idea of how disasters work. Uh, FEMA doesn't give me a list of who needs help. When I get to a disaster, FEMA's not there. No one's there. It's us. And uh, we get to Oklahoma, and the way, we, the way it works is we find wherever the disaster hit, and we start knocking on doors and asking who needs help. The very first house we get to get to is Elvio's house. He's the older gentleman on the left there. Uh, we walk up and knock. My buddy Tim Poole is there in the middle behind the cross. Everywhere we go, if we're cutting trees, that's what we leave on the stumps. There's crosses all over the country. Um, we get to Elvio's house. Trees are completely covering his home. You can see the... the uh, there was a little, we had to climb over trees and around. We got to the front door. His driveway is completely covered. Uh, Tim knocks on the door, and Elvio comes to the door, and he says, how can I help you? And Tim says, the Lord sent me. And Elvio starts weeping. And then he grabs us. He's, very, he's a very excited kind of guy, full of energy at his ripe age. He grabs us and says, you got to come in the house. And I'm thinking, this is weird, uh, not normal. We get in the house, and Elvio shares that he is a, was a missionary for 67 years, and he's planted over 100 churches in seven different countries. He came back to the States because he had to have open-heart surgery. He had a surgery a month before the ice storm hit. The morning uh, of the ice storm, June, his wife, wakes him up and says, honey, you got to look outside. So Elvio goes to the window in the kitchen and he looks out and his wife says, what are we going to do? And Elvio said, we need to pray. So they got on their hands and knees in their kitchen and they prayed. And Elvio said, after all of those years of being on the mission field, in this instance, he doubted. And it hurt him that he doubted the Lord. Who in the world is going to come to Oklahoma City and cut trees off of our house? He said he finished praying, and he got up, and there was a knock at the door. When he answered the door, Tim Poole said, the Lord sent me. You can't make this stuff up. So we get in the house. It gets better. It gets better. We get in the house, and we start talking, and Elvio asked me what my name was and where I was from. I told him, Chris Childs, I'm from Virginia. I'm living in Mississippi now. And he uh, asked Tim, and Tim said, I'm Tim Poole from Laurenburg, North Carolina. And Elvio said, Poole? He said, I knew a man named Larry Poole. I served with him in Guatemala in the 70s. And Tim broke down. 
Tim's father was a missionary in Guatemala, and he was killed when a tree fell on him in a church that they were building in Guatemala. Those two men served side by side. amazing what the Lord is doing. That's just two stories. Just two. There are hundreds and hundreds of them. Like I said before, when I leave here, I'm headed to Mannington, West Virginia. That's a picture of Mannington, West Virginia. That was Saturday. 498 homes are, were flooded. I don't know if many of you know how your insurance works, but if you don't have flood insurance, you get zero. This little town is never flooded. I don't know, but I would say 98% of them do not have flood insurance. We're going to go and we're going to work on those houses, but it's not about that. We have 498 opportunities to share the gospel. And that's just if there's only one person in the house. Doors that weren't open last week are open. If I went there last week and I knocked on those doors right there and I said, I'm here to tell you about Jesus, a lot of the doors would shut. But when I walk up and I say, we're here to get this mud out of your house and to give you a case of water, And to help get you on the path to be able to have a safe place for your kids to sleep. All of a sudden the doors are open. We'll spend days with these people. Most of the time it takes a few hours and then they'll say, why in the world are you here? And it opens that door for us to tell them why we're here. The hope that we have is in Jesus. And he loves them just like he loves me. We have so many people that say, I, I wish I could go, but I don't, I'm not a construction worker. I got a bad back. We can use you. One of the most beautiful things I see after floods are folks in people's front yards washing their dishes for them. We'll go through and find everything that's salvageable. It doesn't sound like much, but when you lost everything, to have that dish that your mother gave you, we'll sit in their front yard and we'll wash them and we'll box them all up for them while some of us with strong backs and weak minds are inside ripping out sheetrock. You can sit, you can pray with them, and you can make a difference. If any of you would like to get involved with us, just go to our website, uh, 8daysofhope.com. Like I said, I'm leaving today, and I'm going. We'll be there for three weeks. Get involved with some of these guys if you haven't. Um, Charlie got up here and spoke before. He's the main reason I am where I am. Charlie showed me Jesus when I didn't know. He's a great man, and he loves the Lord, and he's doing this stuff right here every day, all day. Get involved with him.
like I said, I'm so thankful to be like in the living room <laughs> at my house. That's how I feel when I'm here. I feel so at home. Um, so thank you all so much. Chris, Nikki, Matt, Charlie, Jeff, you guys touched my heart this morning. You may be sitting here today wondering, how, how did this happen? Every one of them would admit to you that uh, they're just ordinary guys. How'd they get in a place where God is using them in such an extraordinary way? How is it? I could preach about ten messages off of what I just heard this morning from these guys. Scripture based, every one of them. This is the book of Acts. You remember how Jesus Christ called Peter to the ministry? He told him, Go out and fish some more. Well, I've been fishing all night, Jesus. Go out and fish some more. He did it. There is no way that Peter in a million years would think that a mundane act of pushing my boat back out and dropping the net would change my life. It did. Peter was obedient. That's where it all starts. It all starts with obedience. And every one of them would have a testimony too about how they got saved. A couple of them weren't saved till later in life. And yet God reached down. I'm thankful for faithful wives, too, for praying for those men. I want you to think about this for just a second. Obedience. What does that mean? It means when I read my Bible, that what I see in the Bible that Jesus Christ is telling me to do, I move out of the optional category and begin doing it. I begin saying, hey, God, I, I, I can do this. I want to do this, God. I want to walk in obedience. I want to do these things. You know, I, I can bring up the, the thought this morning about stewardship. And everybody says, he's not going to talk about money now. No, I'm not. That's part of it. But ponder this thought for a second. How about the stewardship of opportunities? Am I managing opportunities that God has given me to for his glory? I see these opportunities. I saw this last week. All these folks in here serving and I, I, I didn't count them but I thought there's easily as many workers in here as our children praise God for that. that that's an incredible gift to our church that we have that many people that heard God saying hey I need to be a part of touching children for Jesus Christ this next week I'm going to challenge you here this morning what is God telling you to do what is God commanding you to do? What does God have next for you in your life? We have all kinds of opportunities already going on. I imagine there's going to be more coming on this next year. In fact, I know there will be. But where would God have me apply my giftedness that he's given me? Where would I have God apply my gifts? I'm going to say a little prayer here in just a moment, but I also want to have a little bit more of a different invitation this morning. 
first and foremost, we're going to do what we always do, the most important thing we do. We want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you do not know Jesus Christ, maybe you've been kind of wondering about this. Do I really have that personal relationship? Do I really know who he is? Do I really have this one-on-one, growing, intimate relationship with the Lord of Lords, King of Kings? I want it today. I want to have my life count for something. I want to have it count for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. I'd like to join our church today. We'd love to have you here too. But this is for the rest of us that have already accepted Jesus Christ, that already belong to the church. I'm going to ask in just a moment for Nikki and Chris to come stand up front here. I'm going to ask my other three guys, Charlie and Jeff and Matt, to come up here. And Matt, we'll give you something to lean against here, buddy. Thanks for sharing this morning on crutches. But uh, I'm going to have them up here, and I want you to come up and thank them, first of all, for their testimony this morning. But also, maybe they'll pray for you, or maybe you'll pray for them in the days ahead. They all are committed right now to continue going on. But I want to have you have an opportunity this morning, our church body. Welcome home and home, Nikki and Chris here, but also thank them. And also commit this morning. you got a prayer card, and if not, we'll have some at the back door when you leave here, too. But I want you to come up and love on them, okay? And just tell them how much it meant to you this morning that they shared their testimony. Pray with them if you like. I'll be over here. We'll have a couple pastors up here and the deacons too. If you'd like to join our church or if you'd especially if this morning if you want to pray to receive Christ, I'll be off on one of the sides here. But t- today I'd like to look at it as a commitment to us maybe to go on a mission trip, maybe to get involved just going across the street and knocking on somebody's door and say, hey, I'm your neighbor here. Here's a pie or a loaf of bread, but um, is there anything I do to serve you or is there anything I do to pray for you? You know, we all like that community, but a lot of times we just don't go out of our way to seek it and to enjoy the, the friendships that we can have and the relationships we can have with each other in our own neighborhoods. And I also want you to begin praying about this right now this morning as we have our invitation. Following the invitation, I want to take an offering. And I want to have a love offering this morning for eight days of hope. Okay, you see what they're doing? What a precious gift. And um, I'm not going to ask you to do it now, but I can look around the room here, and I, I see a lot of people in this room that have been on a, uh, a mission trip with Eight Days of Hope, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, But uh, some of us may not get to go out where Eight Days of Hope goes and might not get to go to West Virginia this week with Chris and Nikki and their children, but we can go there by supporting them and by sending funds. And uh, how do they use those funds? It's countless. You mentioned water. There's all kinds of things that they use those funds for to, to bless people and to help people that are open for that. Last thing I want to share this morning on this line here. You heard it through these guys' testimonies this morning that it was in a storm that they kind of came to realize that God's calling me. And uh, we know that scripture tells us that it's in our weakness we're going to see his strength. God does some of his greatest work in our lives when we're in the midst of a tempest sea or a storm. Why? Like Chris just said, because I'm open to help. I'm open to seek what's next. I, I need something here. and My life is kind of faltering right now. I want something else. So maybe in your life right now, that's going on in your life as well. I'm going through a hard time right now. We're here to love you. We're here to share the answer, share hope with you. But also, if we can come alongside you this morning. But God is at work all the time. Am I part of what God is doing? Seek out what God's doing and join him in what he's doing.